looking at the book of First John. One of my very favorites. So let's. There's only ten. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, ten verses in the first chapter of First John. So let's look at them all, please. The word of the Lord as given to the Apostle John in his first epistle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar in his words is not in us. I don't know how people read that. The perfectionist movement can read that. And, I mean, do they just ignore that? or I, mean, I really don't understand. You know, I'm sure they twist it into some meaning that is not intended by the text at all. Uh, well, the major themes of, of this book of First John, not only the first chapter, but the entire book, are summed up really in two words. And these, again, these will be on the test afterwards. We have tests uh, following the uh, sermons. And uh, the major themes are summed up in two words. They're two simple words that, unfortunately, most Christians don't seem to understand what these words mean. Uh, and therefore, if you don't know what the words mean, you can't really fit them together and see how they complement each other. The words are truth and love. Truth and love. And we all have our own ideas of what truth means and what love means. Uh, but today we're going to see if that comports with the biblical definition of, of truth and love. Truth and love are the major themes of John's first epistle, First John. Now, John... As the writer, uh, as a biblical writer, is unique that he devotes more of his writings uh, to those two subjects, truth and love, than than any other biblical writer. Uh, John's key teaching is this, and if you don't remember anything else I say, I'd appreciate it if you remember this one. His key teaching is to love someone is to put God's commandments into action. To love someone is to put God's commandments into action. Let's look at Romans chapter 13, please. 
in the 13th chapter of Romans, in the 10th verse, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, put that together with back in 1 John, in chapter 2, verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily, or truly, is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So whoever keeps his word in him truly is the love of God perfected. Now look right above that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So let's put that all together, those three verses. If you want to reflect the perfect love of God in your life, keep his commandments. If you ache for the assurance in your soul that you're a child of God... These three verses together say, keep his commandments. When you keep his commandments, that is when you treat other people in accord with what he tells you in the Bible, I'm talking about the second table, obviously, God's unbreakable personal promise to you is this, that you'll know in your heart, the very depths of your soul, that you are his precious child. Keep his commandments and enjoy the blessing. Love is the fulfilling of the law from Romans. Whoever keeps his word truly is the love of God perfected in him, in 1 John 2, and hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we keep his, and turn that around, if we keep his commandments, we know that we know him. As I said in the prayer, sinners don't want to keep his commandments. Though unsaved, let me put it this way, unsaved people don't want to keep his commandments, do they? They don't care about it. In fact, they want, they want you in another place. It says they want to drag you into their sin as well. Uh, so they don't care about it. So the fact that you want to keep his commandments albeit imperfectly of course the fact that you grieve when you sin God is telling you you're my child that's why I love you and I want you to be doing these things and you're sorry for it that's a proof that God really loves you and that you're really his child often places that advertise themselves as Christian churches though deny this they say that truth and love If they're not enemies, they're certainly strangers. They'll tell you the truth is, well, that's the domain of the mind, Um, the head. You've heard of head knowledge, okay? And that's cold and analytical and black and white, and that leads to arrogance and pride, which it can by itself, of course. But love, they say, well, that's the domain of the heart, not of the head. Uh, therefore, love is warm and tolerant and accepting and uh, realizes that there are always shades of gray. And that leads to humility and service to other people. Now, that's very appealing, but it's a false dichotomy. Uh, I mean, everybody's in favor of being warm and, and you know, humanity, you know, loving humanity and service to others, right? Okay, well, the Bible teaches that, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, but 
separating the head knowledge from heart knowledge is a false separation. If you study your Bible and you believe what it says about truth and love and what those definitions are, you realize there's no conflict between truth and love. Uh, there's no conflict. There's the one isn't head knowledge and the other is heart knowledge. In fact, the Bible, as we know, uh, whenever, uh, oftentimes, most of the time, when it talks about the heart, it's referring to the mind. And we've looked at verses that have to be interpreted that way. The, you know, the heart doesn't think, the mind thinks, etc. You will find, if you look about what the Bible says about truth and love, as the book of James makes clearly, truth without love is meaningless. And love without truth is meaningless. Now what do I mean? Belief in truth produces love. For example, when you're convicted of the truth of the Bible, that is propositions, the Bible are propositions, uh, statements of truth, when you're convicted of the truth of the Bible, that produces love for the Lord, that produces love for your brethren in Christ, it produces love for your unsaved neighbor. Genuine service to other people comes out of that conviction of the truth of the Bible. So love comes out of conviction of the truth. Have you ever met somebody who's extremely knowledgeable about the Bible? You know, they, they can quote the Bible back and forward. They can quote Calvin's Institutes to you. They, they, they've read it all. They know it all. But they don't show any desire or very much desire to serve other people, to help other people, love for other people. They're, they're too busy studying, maybe, to really to serve. Uh, there's, you know, the old, the old phrase, they're, they're so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. They're not fulfilling the law of God to love others. So what are they showing? What are they showing? Are they really children of God? By their fruits you shall know them. I'm not speaking of any particular person. I'm just saying that that's a class of people that seems to be, uh, uh, you find quite a bit. You find a lot of those in Reformed churches for some reason, but I would imagine you find them in other churches as well. In 1 John 2, verse 4, John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, He that saith, I know him, meaning the Lord, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Somebody who says, I know him, you know, I know the Bible backwards and forwards, but do I serve? When was the last time I served someone? I did something out of love for someone else, helped someone? Well, I can't remember. He says, he who says, I know him and keep, doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth isn't in him. So somebody who just reads a lot and memorizes a lot of doctrines, but shows little or no evidence of the outward expression of the truth, you got to wonder, do they, which is love, does he really know truth at all? Love is the outward evidence that a person knows truth. In James 2, he writes, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful for the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. You know, if you see somebody starving, you say, Well, hope you get some food. 
you know, have a have a nice day, and you're able to help them, and you don't. He says, "What what good is that?" I see somebody who says, "Oh, I'm so sick, I, I can't get to the can't get to the drugstore to fill my prescription." I say, "Well, I ho- hope you can do it. Hope you can get some medicine. Get your medicine. I gotta go. What good is that? You know, I feel bad for you." You know, somebody says, well, I feel real bad for you. That's too bad. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a TV show, which we found on Netflix, which I've never heard of before, uh, okay, uh, called uh, uh, Better Off Ted. Better Off Ted. And it's hilarious. And the, you, know this, you know the show. And uh, the uh, female boss in it is very arrogant and very, very much this kind of person. And one of her one of her lines is like all the employees come and they say we haven't had a raise in years you know whatever their complaints were uh, and the whole bunch of them and she says oh i am i hate to see dissatisfied employees and they just stand there and she says do you hear what i said i hate to see dissatisfied employees get out of my office <laughs> So that's that's the same way. Oh, I hate to see someone hungry. So I'll turn away and walk the other way. <laughs> well, that's that's the person who has perhaps has faith but doesn't have works, doesn't have good works. That's what is that? Well, that's somebody who's really smart and knows all these doctrines. That's called knowledge without uh, zeal. They have knowledge, but they have no want to put it to work. You know, uh, uh, works. On the other hand, our faith in action. That's what James that's what James is saying in the whole book of James. You know, a lot of people are scared of the book of James, but it's 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 all he's saying is works are faith in action. You show your faith by your works. It's not that works save you, but works are an evidence that you are saved. On the other hand, zeal without knowledge, we talk that's that's knowledge without zeal, the person who knows everything. But zeal without knowledge, which is love without a foundation of truth is meaningless. Actually, it's very dangerous. It's very destructive. It's like a speeding car without a driver. I mean, you've you've heard people who, oh, just gush about love and and, and all this. Well, let let me give you an example. Suppose you were married to somebody who made decisions based totally on how they felt at that particular moment, disregarding their marriage vows or their responsibility as a parent or their responsibility to tell the truth. That would be a nightmare of a marriage. But somebody who has love, what they think of as love, without truth, without basing it on Scripture, is allowing their feelings, their emotions, or what they think God is leading them to do without checking it against Scripture to rule our, their thoughts and their actions. We can't allow that, even if we think our feelings are from God. Uh, J.I. Packer said, Confidence that one's impressions are God-given is no guarantee that this is really so even when they persist and grow stronger through long seasons of prayer. Bible-based wisdom must judge them. See, you have to test every feeling 
every idea, every leading that you think might be from the Lord against His written revelation, the Bible. See, if you operate on just what you think is just love without being grounded in the truth, the truth which is the written Word of God, you have zeal without knowledge. Now, we know the Word of God is truth. Jesus said in in John 17, Sanctify them, meaning His followers, meaning us, through Thy truth, Thy Word is truth. So unless you're bathed in the Word, you don't know truth. Love needs truth to have any meaning at all. In other words, the outward expression of truth is, as I said, love. Love needs truth as its defining foundation. Otherwise, as I said, it becomes meaningless and unpredictable with acts based on emotion with no reference to God. Love cannot be defined without God. As we know, God is love. Can't operate apart from Him, for He is truth as well as love. So you have to have the Word of God to tell you how to express love. Now, we have our own definitions. We've talked about love, how... how, there are different ways we use that word. You know, um, I love my wife. I love my dog. Now, she says, oh, you love that dog more than you love me sometimes. But uh, I tell her that I love the one who is most loyal to me. <laughs> no, I... I I love you just as much as I love the dog, sweetheart. Uh, but I don't understand why she doesn't, she doesn't appreciate that. But no, you, you have different words for love. I love you know, cherry pie. I love to teach people. I love to, my friends. I love a good book. I love a good movie. Um, everyone is called love, but they're different. Um, you can see that in our culture, we toss, toss around this word love. You know, pretty, pretty loosely. But the Bible doesn't. It speaks of the love of God, and through the love of God, we then love other people. But it has to be through the love of God to focus our love, to clean it up, to make it God-glorifying, then we love other people through the love of God. So the Bible is its own dictionary, as we said, and no matter what we may think, the Lord defines love for us. Look at 1 John again, chapter 5. Verse 3. Look up the word love in the Bible dictionary and it says, 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. That means burdensome. This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous or burdensome. In 2 John uh, 6, verse 6, And this is love, that we walk after His commandments, or that we walk according to His commandments. So love, as God's Word defines it, means we keep His commandments. And His commandments include treating others as we would be treated. What we call the first table of the Ten Commandments is love of God. 
and showing our love of God by keeping those commandments. The second table is love of our neighbor, showing our love for our neighbor by keeping the commandments of God. His commandments include treating others as we would be treated. Romans 13, as we said before, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now let's love. That's how the Bible defines love. What is truth? Well, that question, of course, we know was asked by Pilate to Christ. What is truth? And Christ at that time uh, chose not to answer directly. See, all unsaved people ask that question. What is truth? I once spent a long time asking that question. I'm on a mission to find truth. I majored in uh, psychology, I majored in philosophy, then I majored in philosophy, uh, you know, looking for what's truth, what's the source of truth. You know, I, I was weird. I went to college and I didn't go to college to prepare myself for a career. I went to college to find out what truth is. You know, I found out as majoring in philosophy, you know, every weekend I would look in the Sunday classifieds under uh, help wanted under P. And I realized I made a bad career choice because I never found philosopher wanted. <laughs> You know what, is, what? I even took brain physiology at um, what's North North Park College, right? North Park, yeah, in Chicago. Brain physiology to see. Well, maybe there's something in the structure of the brain that gives you an idea of where thoughts come from and where mind, where where ideas come from. I mean, that's that's looking for truth, looking for the source of truth. Well, we know that. Uh, that truth comes by Christ. And again, in uh, John 1.17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And we know even more. Not only does grace and truth come by Christ, but we know that Christ himself is truth. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, Christ said and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Christ said, I am the truth. I am the truth. He didn't say, I am a truth. Because I am the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth in John 14 and John 15. And of course, that's the Spirit of Christ. And in John 16, 13, and John tells us, excuse me, Jesus tells us in John 17, 17, the word of God is truth. Not a truth, but truth itself. And of course we know that who is called the word of God in John 1, Christ. So it all goes back to Christ, don't get confused about that. See, the Word of God, the Bible, does not contain truth, as liberal theologians claim. It is truth. 1 Timothy 3.15, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So if we believe God's Word, just in summary, which is having faith, which is truth, we show it by serving other people. That's my whole point.
And what we do outwardly is the evidence of what we do inwardly, what we believe inwardly. Let me play that again. What we do outwardly is the evidence of what we believe inwardly. You know, if we're out there lying and uh, cheating and trying to get away with stuff as much as we can and, and disobeying our parents and, and uh, you know, fudging on our taxes and, you know, whatever it might be, what is that showing about how we are inwardly? What's the state of our soul? What's our relationship to God, to somebody who does stuff like that? When Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. By what they do outwardly, you'll know what they are inwardly. So every time you obey God, you don't do those things, but you do, you do the things that you know he wants, whether it's obeying your parents or... or telling the truth every time, no matter how much it hurts or gets you into trouble and not blaming other people for things that that they're not at fault in or whatever it might be, forgiving other people. Every time you show love in action, you're acting as Christ's healing hands and feet, his eyes, his words. He's ministering to others through you. Remember, as I said a few weeks ago, Christian When you call yourself a Christian, you're bearing the name of Christ to the world. Saying, I'm a Christian. I'm bearing the name of Christ to the world. I'm acting as Christ's hands and his feet and his eyes and his mouth. He's ministering to others through you. So, this week I want you to think about this. Pray about it. How is this going to change what you're going to, the person you're going to be from now on? How is this going to change what you're going to do for other people this week and from now on? Let's pray. Father, uh, convicting words from the Word of Word of God, convicting to me, and I hope convicting to to those for this sermon, Lord. Put it in our hearts to not have zeal without knowledge and not have knowledge without zeal, but putting those two together, truth and love, that we love others because thou lovest us. And let us act in accordance with thy will. Do thy commandments, not only to know, but to do. Father, we remember that Thou forgave us while we were still enemies. In Jesus' name we pray.